Good morning, friends. It is Tuesday morning. What is the date? Is it June 2nd? June 2nd, 2020. The longest year in human history. <laughs> uh, I, I would imagine at least some of you feel that way. I know uh, I certainly have. Uh, wow, what a time we have been living in. Um, you know, somebody once said, uh, may you live in, in strange times. And uh, well... I'm not so sure that's a great thing to wish upon somebody, but uh, but today we are going to look above and beyond uh, our circumstances and what's going on in the world today, uh, you know, however long this year ends up going, and we're going to look to something that sort of resets our imagination, resets our focus, and uh, and gets us looking to things eternal rather than simply the things that are happening around us at any given moment. And so I want to draw your attention to uh, Psalm 8, Psalm 8 today, probably familiar to many of you, uh, short little Psalm, nine verses, but uh, packed with great uh, focus on really um, on, on God and what's beyond uh, our, our things here. So it says this in Psalm 8, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. End of reading. Let me take a quick swig of coffee here. <clears throat> so I guess the, the first question I have for you as we read this text and we read this psalm is how big is your God? And I suppose the answer to that question seems uh, pretty obvious to most of us. Um, we'd probably, you know, say something equivalent to really big, really, really big, you know, like bigger than I can fathom. And that would probably be fine. I mean, yeah, it's not the most theologically uh, articulate way of putting it. But uh, I mean, we Christians do confess that God did not merely create our planet we do not confess that he merely created the sun and moon for our planet, nor do we confess that God just created the millions and millions of other stars and planets that make up even just our solar system, nor do we merely confess that God created just our galaxy. We don't even confess that God just created the estimated 100 billion other galaxies in the observable universe, and we don't even confess that God just created the observable universe, which is estimated to be 93 billion light years across Indeed, what we confess as Christians is that God created everything that is seen and unseen everywhere for all time. On top of this, we confess that our God rules over every single piece of matter, and for that matter, antimatter, in all of creation. And so I believe as David sat down to write this psalm that was just read that, um, that it was thoughts like these that he was having swirl through his head. 
I picture him looking out on a clear night and having one of those moments where he is just awestruck by the power of, of God. I'm looking at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, and I am filled with awe and wonder. But of course, that is not the end of the sentence. He doesn't merely say, I'm filled with awe. Even as David pauses to sort of admire God's creative handiwork, a bit of a troubling question comes to mind, or at least what could be a troubling question. In light of all this grandeur in your creation, what is man, and in this sense it'd be mankind, that you are mindful of him? And for that matter, the, the son of man, that you care for him. Have you ever asked yourself that question? If God really is big and awesome and all-powerful, really, really big, as we say he is, can he, can he really kind of truly value me with my tiny, seemingly insignificant problems and inadequacies? I mean... Hey, is it can that really be the case or am i just like sort of a tiny microbe on a on a speck in the universe that merits no attention well david's going to answer that question the psalm answers that question by saying first of all yeah it indeed is true god values you so much that he well that he uses people like us that seem so tiny and insignificant. As a matter of fact, it might even be too, due to our kind of tininess and insignificance that God finds it attractive to use us. Notice the first thing that David mentions in the text as he ponders the glory and majesty of God's name right away. He pauses to say, from the mouths of infants and babies, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Now, the idea being expressed here is that one of the ways God displays this grandeur and glory is by using the praises uttered from the weakest among us to bring to nothing even his enemies. Now, we see this played out in our Lord's life. In the temple one day, the Pharisees are getting quite agitated because children keep on saying Hosanna to Jesus. And in response to them, silencing them, Jesus quotes this verse. How much does God value mankind? That even in our weakest and most feeble, he is able to use us to do great things. From the mouths of infants and babies, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. What was it that the, the apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. When Paul was struggling in great travail, what did Jesus say to him? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So then Paul will go on to write, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So yes, we extol our God as high and lofty, lifted up above all the universe. Good. But we also extol the fact that in, in spite of that, he values us so much that he chooses to use us even, even in our weakest moments and our most vulnerable. The psalmist also answers the question of how much God values us by, uh, by pointing out his, 
his intricate and uh, very specific care over us. David writes, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? It's easy to ask that question, but David doesn't ask it out of doubt, but out of sheer wonder and delight. Listen to what he writes in Psalm 139. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. Have you ever tried to count even a handful of sand? Tried to count the grains? Um, it, it's not going to take you long before you give up on that project. There's just, it's, there's just too many. It's impossible. David says... That's how many thoughts God has about us, all of the sand in the world. God spends on every grain. That's the kind of thing, that's the kind of devotion that God has in his care towards us. A considerable amount of thinking. Reminds me of when his disciples were getting ready to go on a dangerous missionary journey. What does Jesus say of humanity? Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of way more value than many sparrows. So yes, as hard as it may be to believe, sometimes the Lord who created every molecule in the 93 billion light year observable universe loves you and cares for, for you. And when I say you, here's the thing. What I mean is you. Like, I'm not, don't hear general, general you out there. No, no, I'm talking like you and me. He thinks about you and values you more than you can fathom. In spite of our sin, our shortcomings, our deep, deep problems, and obviously we've got them. Boy, do we know that right now. We're told God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life. And that leads us to the next way we see how much God values us, and then we'll, we'll wrap up our, our time in Psalm 8 today. And that is, he becomes like us. He values us so much that he becomes like one of us. This is a crazy concept and something that the New Testament writers especially just sort of gawk at. They just don't even know how to comprehend such a concept. And it's why, by the way, it was so controversial in the first few centuries of the church as they were trying to decide just who Jesus was and what, how they were to describe him. The idea was, was almost too much to, be, to, to even fathom that God would become a human being uh, for various reasons. But that's indeed what this text alludes to. Look at verses 5 through 8 again. It says, You have made him, he's talking about the Son of Man, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Now, at, at first glance, this would appear to merely be speaking of humanity in general. Indeed, uh, there is a sense in which God has given us this same dominion described here over all the things in creation. Genesis 1, 27 tells us that. All the animal and ocean life in some sense is 
meant to be stewarded by human beings that are made in his image, the only part of his creation that is made in his image. But <clears throat> as you dig through the scriptures a little more, we find that the Holy Spirit writes through the author of the, of the book of Hebrews that what this verse that I just read or set of verses that I just read is ultimately speaking of is in fact God's son, specifically Jesus Christ. Listen to how Hebrews states it. What is man that you are mindful of him? Quoting this psalm, it's near the beginning of the book, verse 6 of, of chapter 1. Or the son of man that you care for him, you made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Do you, do you hear that? The author of Hebrews ultimately says that the man who really was made a little lower than the angels, the man who was crowned with glory and honor, and the man who has had everything put in subjection under his feet is the man, Christ Jesus. And why does Hebrews say this is given to him? Because of the suffering of death which he tasted for everyone. So that we wouldn't have to. Philippians makes a similar statement in chapter 2 of that letter when Paul writes, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The point is, when you ask the question in light of God's sovereignty and his grandeur and his glory, when you say, oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name? Yes, you can, you can get some of that majesty by looking out to the universe and by admiring all of his handiwork. You know, there's so much to admire there, but mostly what you ought to admire in God's handiwork is that he would have such a plan that would include saving you, that would include loving you, making rebels into friends. God values you so much in order to save you from your sins, he becomes like you. He stoops down so low as to be a member of his creation. One of my favorite quotes, I've used it here in these devotions before, but it, it never gets old for me, is from Helmut Thielicke, a German theologian and pastor from some years ago. When he would describe the incarnation of Jesus, it was just on a whole other level. And this is what he said in one of his sermons. He says, Jesus Christ did not remain at base headquarters in heaven, receiving reports of the world suffering from below and shouting a few encouraging words to us from a safe distance. No, he left the headquarters and came down to us in the frontline trenches, right down to where we live, where we contend with our anxieties and the feeling of emptiness and futility, where we sin and suffer guilt and where we must finally die. There is nothing that he did not endure with us. He understands everything. So it is no wonder that David cries out again at the end, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth.
Well, that is it for today, friends. I hope you have seen that at the same, at one and the same time, as grand and glorious as God is, ultimately we glory not in just those things out there that show that, but the reality that they ultimately point us to the fact that God loves us and cares for us deeply. That's it for today. Have a great uh, rest of your Tuesday. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you next week.